Welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel is a nonprofit dedicated to the idea that every part of the Bible, Old Testament and New, is about Jesus. And this podcast is our experiment to publicly test that belief. Every episode, hosts David Bowden and Seth Stewart work through a biblical text to see how it helps us see and savor Jesus. Let's jump in. Well, welcome everyone to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. I'm David, and with me as always is Seth Stewart. How are you, Seth? I'm fine. Yeah? I'm fine. Are you I had fine? a cookie. You had, yeah, you shared your cookie <laughs> with me, and cookie. I was very honored by that um, from a local bakery. This is a really great bakery, and they just make great They cookies. do, and it's all whole wheat, it's and really, you would think that like no, whole wheat would no, make it taste worse, and it's so much better. So if you're in Oklahoma City. Big Sky Bakery. Big Sky Bakery. There's a free plug. It's free. Hashtag yeah. not sponsored. <laughs> Hashtag not sponsored. <laughs> Uh, no, what? Very few people would dare sponsor us. That's very true. They never know what's going to come out of our mouth. That's right, because they—they're like, who would want to sponsor a podcast about land allotments? <laughs> There's Big our segue. Sky. <laughs> Big, Big Sky, Sky Bakery land allotments. Land allotments. <laughs> We're in. We're in. We could. We could. We could put some wheat in those in that land. Some whole wheat. <laughs> wow, this is off to a good start. It's as as it, as it be. always is. As it always is. Um, yes. So let me. Yeah. Uh, so this is this is one of the largest chunks of Joshua. It is chapter thirteen to chapter twenty-one, basically. Yes, we're going to stop at nineteen because twenty and twenty-one have kind of unless it, we're feeling spicy. Unless we get spicy, and we have a lot to talk about. We though. have a lot to talk about. So and I was listening to a sermon series one time through Joshua, uh-huh. where my pastor was preaching through Joshua, and he yes. got to chapter thirteen, and then just said, "Actually, I'm not going to preach on the next." eight chapters because this nothing really happens here <laughs> so i'm really interested in seeing like what you pulled out of this because cards on the table i have literally not studied for this particular podcast don't stop the podcast i have studied david has gone on a deep i delegated all the devotional writing on him he's done all the study for this i've read it yes i have a list of questions okay great but no answers <laughs> And uh, not a ton. Of, I ju- I'm just really excited to discover Jesus in a text about pasture lands because you'll read that word like 30 times. And <laughs> you walked. Ar- he walked around the spoken gospel offices listening to Joshua on audio pod or on, on like an audio Bible in yep. in his headphones. He walked back in to the office just going pasture lands, pasture lands. It's like one of those lands. words that doesn't sound like a word after you hear it so many times. <laughs> pasture lands, pasture lands, so pasture funny. lands. So yes, um, uh, we so we just had this big conquest narrative where the literary speed of the book took off. And what used to take several chapters to explain uh, one battle. Yeah, one na- city, one battle of one city. Yes. Now it's half a verse for an entire king that gets destroyed. Yeah. And it's like uh, wh- where we had just done Jericho and AI. Now we have th- a list of 31 kings that just got pummeled uh, in the span of mm-hmm. as many verses. Yes. So uh, then, and, and, it's like, and then they had rest on every side. They had peace. The land had peace. There was peace, and then we get these. We get a quick summary of yep. all the victories they did, right? But like right at, but fu- functionally, right after the phrase "and the land had peace," we get this phrase. Now Joshua was old and advanced in years, so presumably all those victories took the majority of Joshua's lifetime. Correct. So he goes into the promised land as an older man because he was one of the two 
Only two men were allowed in the promised land from the previous generation, mm-hmm. Joshua and Caleb. Right. And I have some questions about Caleb coming up in a Good. second. Good, yes. Uh, but uh, so that means he w- would have been maybe in his 40s. I don't know. I mean, he was 40 years in the wilderness and yep. he was with Moses on Mount Sinai. So he's got to be at least in his 50s. Yeah, he's got to be at least at least 50. So there's like a good number of years if he's an old man and Mm -hmm. about to die that it takes to take over the land. Yep. But regardless of that, uh, you are an old man man, advancing years, and there remains yet very much land to possess. Yeah. So I thought the land had rest, (laughs) and now it doesn't have rest because there's now very much land to possess. Like what's going on there or like what am I missing? Yeah. So what? Obviously, I, yeah. I just like as a reader, I'm like, wait, 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 what? Yeah, I thought we were done. I thought we were done. Yes. Yeah. So what's happening is you're butting up against what uh, you're butting against the core tension of the book of Joshua. Okay. And there have been little tiny signposts throughout okay. the book, but this one is the big grinding gear shift that makes you uh, get whiplash, and, okay. and it's supposed to alert you to all the other signposts. Okay, and and they're strewn throughout this whole six chapters. So what you're so what you're saying is because I think what I kind of assumed as I read it was they had restaurant in all the land from those enemies, uh-huh. and there's just more territory not to be con- there, that hasn't been conquered yet. That's not an indictment on Israel. It's just like yep, there's only so much you can do in one man's lifetime. Correct. That's, okay, that's exactly right. Okay, actually, got it, got it. yeah, that's okay. exactly right. But the tension, the core tension of the book is there is this element of incompleteness to the uh, conquest. Okay. And so it's like they 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 conquered but like uh and and up to this point it seems like they utterly decimated, they utterly destroyed, they left none alive. But then here that language switches to but they did not utterly drive out, but there still remained inhabitations, but they did so, not completely take over. This kind of flag so I remember listening to that several mm-hmm. times. This flags for you, uh there's uh remains very much land to possess, and then you hear the phrases like uh but they did not utterly drive out the whoever's the whoever's. Okay. Yep. And some of that and and, and so it's really it's gonna be really helpful here okay. to kind of talk about time. In Joshua, okay, and where we are in that time, okay, because it's a little confusing what's going to happen uh, with land allotments. Because when we think about land allotments, when I first read this, I was like, and then Manasseh moved in to right. Manasseh's territory, and right. Judah moved in to Judah's territory. That's not what's happening here. Okay, what's happening is that they have they have won several strategic battles around the land, mm-hmm. but. As happened so like Hazor in the was the capital of the Canaanite mm-hmm. like civilization, right? Essentially. But as what happened in the hill country, uh, whenever we talked about this last last podcast, um, Israel's forces went down into the south part of Canaan and won all these battles. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, the hill country where their base camp was started to have Canaanites in it again, and they had to mm-hmm. go kind of retake that land. And so there's these migrating forces mm-hmm. moving throughout this land that are like thorns and briars to Israel. Um, and that's what they're called in Deuteronomy, that this would happen. Yeah. That just because you destroy one city, well, remember, a lot of those inhabitants probably fled right. as Israel was coming. Well, they come back home mm-hmm. or they move to other locations, but they're still there. Yeah. And so there are still people in the land in little pockets. Now, right. there are whole swaths of land that they have successfully conquested and praise be to God, they did it. Right. Right. But there are still these outposts of Canaan. So, okay. So let me make sure I understand. So when we get to this point of story, we have several 
strategic military victories mm-hmm. that have happened. Mm-hmm. Pete, not all Canaan, Canaanites live in Canaan because God, we're told that God drove them out right. into the surrounding lands. Mm-hmm. Maybe some of them came back. Yep. There's apparently some battles where people just run away mm-hmm. and they, the Israelites can't, can't catch up to them. And, and we'll read about some battles where they weren't able to drive them out mm-hmm. in the first place. Right. So there's just like, there's loose Canaanites hanging out. That's right. So that's part of it. And are you also saying that um, by the time Joshua dies, there have been tons of strategic military victories, but there are also a whole bunch of other smaller villages, military outposts throughout the land of Canaan that need to be taken over by like regional authorities. That's right. Rather than a centralized government Mm -hmm. where Joshua does it all. Right. The individual tribal leaders are supposed to finish the job. That's exactly right. hundred percent. So what's happening is he will, he will go to each tribe and say, here's the land that has been determined for you. And this is the boring part to read. He gives all its boundaries, right? And for us, it's really hard to follow. So it's helpful to read it with a map. It really is more helpful to read it with a map next to you. Um, And, but what's interesting is he says, okay, that tribe, go take that parcel of land. And what we're going to see is in this story that we're about to read is we're going to see how the different tribes react to his allotments. And they... It, they always bring up the fact that there are still inhabitants in that land and they either um, respond with like faith, like we see Caleb do mm-hmm. and he goes and takes the land Okay. or they reply with fear. Like we're going to see Manasseh do the half tribe of Manasseh and they, uh, they, they, they fail to take the land. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to see as Israel splinters and falls outside the leadership of Joshua we're going to see them fail to finish what Joshua started. Hmm. And that's what's going to happen. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. So so, so whenever he's giving them, I just, this, this is important. When okay. he's giving them the inheritance, they are not moving in. He's giving them the next step in their battle strategy. Okay. So he's saying, you, you tribe Manasseh, go fight here, right? Judah, go fight there. Gad, go fight here. With the intention of moving in as they take over. That's right. You, you're going to move in, you're, and then you're going to see that there's a pocket of Canaanites that fled to the hills. Mm. Go go conquer them. So that just doesn't feel like rest then. Right. So there's a difference, right, between um, all the main armies that would have been assailing Israel um, being defeated. Yeah. And then, like, and now they are kind of the superpower in the area. Okay. So that like if they just camped out in the in the hill country, no one would right. no one would would bother them. Right. You That's, know. Yeah, yeah. So they so in like one one way to explain that is like, well, the the war is functionally over. Yes. Like uh like what's the like on D-Day uh-huh. when the American troops landed uh at Normandy Beach. Right. The decisive victory against the Nazis was won. Was won. Yes, but it was still took what another year. Yeah, they before. had to, they still had to go find Auschwitz. Yeah, you know I don't know my chronology extremely well yeah. for World War II, but like, but victory in Europe Day wasn't declared. I don't think until a year later. Right, there's still all these little outposts that had to go. Or think of it kind of like the end of slavery, right? Yeah, and how uh, like Arlington or not Arlington uh, Emancipation Proclamation. No, no, yeah, yes, but then the. Uh, Oh my goodness, this is the worst. I don't know what you're trying to say. Uh, Juneteenth is what I'm trying to think. Juneteenth, like two years afterwards, the last slaves were actually given the information that the war was over and slavery had been abolished. So this is kind of what's happening is the the, Juneteenth needs to happen to the rest of Canaan. (laughs) Like the the news needs to go out. 
Well, I'm, I'm looking back now at mm-hmm. Joshua 12, 23. It says, so Joshua took the whole land according to all that the Lord had spoken to Moses. And Joshua gave it past tense for an inheritance to Israel according to their tribal allotments, mm-hmm. which is what we're about to read. That's right. And the land had rest for war. Right. So, and the land had rest from war. So in one sense, it's like, okay, in a general sense, it's true. It's mm-hmm. like the, the decisive victory has been won. Mm-hmm. The war is over. That's right. There's some battles but the war is over. Right. So kind of one way to say I it. I definitely think that's fair. Um, but it's still seen, and I guess that's the tension you're talking about. That's that, the tension. That's, but, the, that's the, but the war is not really over. Exactly. If all this stuff's happening. So yes. why say it's over yes. when it's not over? Yeah, I think that is, that's the tension you're supposed to wrestle with in Joshua. That there is clear-cut, God-given victory that's undeniable and miraculous, right? Yeah, but sun stands still. The sun stands <laughs> yeah. still. Like you cannot neglect or nullify the amount of victory God has given Israel. Like he has brought his people peace. He has given them the land. And like the reason why these statements of victory are so strong is because they are proving that God has been true to his word that he gave to Abraham and to Moses. Yeah, through Israel, all the nations of the world will be blessed. Right, or the, yeah. or or even more less less than the less than yeah. the missio dei, the mission of God going out. That's not really what we're doing here. Yeah, this is I that he promised Abraham the land of Canaan. Oh yes, yes, yes. And so this is him saying, and I did it. I said I would do it, and I did it. I did it. And I gave like, it to you. The war is over. There's peace. Now go finish what I did. But it's up to you. And so this is this that is exactly sense. the tension that there is a strange harmony between the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man. <laughs> right? Yeah. That, God, like God fought the battle yep. or won the war, but you fight the battle. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they were told to trust God whenever they would go into these battles. And we'll, we'll see some examples of this. Um, and it, this will make more sense as we start to play it out in all its individual stories. Because there's okay. all these little tiny stories in the middle of the land allotments. Um, that paint a really interesting picture for what was going on behind the scenes um, of this. Okay, so in the land allotments, mm-hmm. we are being given the tribal battle strategies after the death of a centralized leader, Joshua. Mm-hmm. Centralized leader Joshua dies, and and I guess in a sense too, like there was a special like mantle like of the Holy Spirit. Like mantle is like a real charismatic word, but like there was like <laughs> we had this the strong connection between Moses and Joshua. That was like he was leading the people of Israel. Right. He, he was a spirit-filled leader. No one, no one. God never listened to the voice of Joshua like he did anybody else, and, the, and he won this battle. Yes. But now is that same Holy Spirit going out? That same anointing? That same like mantle of leadership going out to all the tribes? Is it supposed to? Begging, I, begging the question, Your Honor. No. Cora? What? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> you're, le- you're leading. You're leading your witness here. Okay. But yes, uh, or no, I should say, uh, we're gonna we're gonna be told at the end of this book that Joshua cannot give his spirit to everyone else. Like the, the special anointing he has is not communicable to others by his own will. And, and so, yeah, there is a mantle, a leadership, an anointing that Joshua had that uh, once he died, things fizzled. So as you read through this book for a second or a third time, you should be thinking, man, there was so much stock put in the fact that Joshua was the new Moses. Mm-hmm. He was the one who on whom was filled with the Holy Spirit to lead his people. So when you see like that leadership like democratized in a sense, like spread out a whole, a whole bunch of people, that that's a real question you should be asking. Like, mm-hmm. will that spirit continue? Will the victory continue? And what you're saying is like, as on reflection, it doesn't. 
Right. Like the 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 the, the consistent drumbeat of victory, 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 victory starts being broken as soon as other people besides Joshua start leading. That's right. That's exactly okay. right. And okay. so uh, before we move into the individual stories, there's just one um, overarching meta note and gospel turn to make out of the land allotments um, in general. And that is, the, and that's why I keep harping on this fact that the land allotments were given um, before the land was owned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like mm. Manasseh was given the land of Manasseh before it was Manasseh's, you know, like yeah. it doesn't make sense. And so the land allotments are an act of faith. Mm. He's saying to the tribe of Gad, I give da, 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 da. And he gives it to them. And he's like, that's yours. Now go take it. Yeah. And so God, uh, God, through Joshua, giving the land allotments to individual tribes is them claiming something in faith. And that is whenever they whenever they are afraid to go take the land, Joshua reminds them, like, God's been faithful in battle in the past. He'll be faithful in the future. Have faith. faith. Be strong and courageous. Be not afraid. Yeah. And, um, and so, like, there's just that – is, that is something that, like, faith to take the land is a theme in the land allotments mm-hmm. that I don't want us to miss um, because we're going to see that it fails. Yeah. We're going to see that they don't have faith. We're going to see that in these stories. Um and that's going to be a clue to what happens later that they will never fully drive out the the Canaanites. There will still be these pockets of people. Um, and uh, yeah. So from those broad strokes then, mm-hmm. how do we just see Jesus in the broad strokes of what's happening here and just land being yes, like a victory that is largely accomplished that's but right. not quite accomplished. That's right. So we, <laughs> we have a term for that in yeah. New Testament thought and that's inaugurated eschatology or... The already and the not yet. Jesus has already defeated the power of sin. Mm-hmm. He's already defeated the finality of the grave. Yes. But death and sin are still present. That's right. In the, the land. Yeah. Yeah, exactly present. right. So it's a huge, this is why I love this picture, because it's a huge biblical category that yeah. we live in a land that is conquered and that we have rest and peace on every side. But there's still Canaanites in the land, and there's still wars to be fought. What? This doesn't make sense. Because that's our Christian life. Like, that's the life of a sojourner and a stranger who's following after God, is living in the already and the not yet. But, like, what Jesus has done, like, he's given us the decisive victory to which we can look back and know that he will win the next battle if we just have faith in him. Mm -hmm. Like, we're supposed to look back to Jericho and know that he'll give us Manasseh. In the same yeah. way, we're supposed to look back to the cross and know that he will overcome any, like, struggle, death, sin, principality, principality power, in our life. Force. Yeah. Yes. He, he goes to war for us right. still. Like we and and Jesus has given us a new land allotment. He says, the whole earth will be yours. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but heaven will be yours because I will bring heaven to earth and we will dwell together and you will live on it with me. Mm-hmm. But we don't live there yet. And doesn't uh, Paul talks about like ruling over angels? Uh huh. Yep. And isn't one of the parables that talks about like ruling over cities? Isn't there like oh was maybe it, or is that in Revelation? I I, I, yeah, you have I, to look that up. Uh, but yes, the the whole idea here is that we've been given new land allotments, and like Israel, we should seize them in faith. Like even though we don't yet live in the final promised land, we can have faith that we will. And that Jesus has won the decisive victory and will win the final battle to bring us into that promised place. Hmm. And so I just feel like wrestling with this strange feeling of the already and the not yet in Joshua of like, there's peace on every side and we won all the wars, but there's still Canaanites in the land. 
that is just a helpful picture of what life is like. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's a super helpful picture to think that it's like the, the reality descri- that Israel experienced in Ca- in Canaan mm-hmm. isn't wasn't necessarily unique to them. Nope. It's actually just unique to all people who trust in God. That's right. God has one decisive victories for us. Jesus Christ dies and rises from the dead. That's a pretty decisive victory. Decisive victory. The sting of hell and the sting the sting of death mm-hmm. is gone. Right. The condemnation of the enemy has no power. Right. These are significant victories. Yes, they <laughs> guarantee are, the future victory. We have a Holy Spirit who is a seal in us yes. of God's future blessing towards us. Like right. These are significant battles that have significant wars right. that have been won. Yep. So our Christian life is our skirmishes. Right. And it, and I think it, it's strange because you feel like if all this has happened, right, if Jesus has really done all this for me, the battle should be over, right? Right. And this is when people start doubting their faith, right, or feeling like they're not saved or they are like the seed that's planted and is scorched in the sun that Jesus talked about and yeah. withers. Uh, is like we're 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 given a rose colored version of what being a disciple of Jesus looks like. Yeah, it's like actually, yes, the decisive victory has been won, but there's a not yet still. There's still Canaanites in the land. There's still battles to be fought, and um, that is a more helpful way to process life in Christ. And then I guess the good news there then is, unlike Joshua, who couldn't give his spirit mm-hmm. to the twelve tribes. Jesus does give us his spirit. Mm -hmm. We can actually, the not yet is better news for us than it was for Israel. The not yet for Israel in this time period was go have faith and you'll be able to do it. No, you won't. (laughs) Right. For us it's go, you'll be able to do it. Yes, you will. You're filled with the same spirit that Mm -hmm. I was filled with. Um, Yeah. So what does it look like? So like make a little bit more concrete for Mm -hmm. me. Like how should I be thinking? Like is all, are all battles with sin, like is my personal battle with anger mm. an enemy territory? Right. Like is, that, is that the way I should be thinking about that? That is one of the ways you should be thinking about it. <laughs> Absolutely. That way, is that the way Joshua, reflect, Jesus, reflection on Joshua had tell me to think about that? I, I think so. I think, uh, I think at least the New Testament reflects on it that way, that there is sin that needs to be beat. Mm-hmm. And that he he dismantled sin and our enemy, you know. Yeah. Uh, and so yes, there is there are internal. I think the psalmist talk, thought about this. Like, yeah. search me, O God, know my heart. See if there's any you know unrighteousness in me. You know, like test me. I want to find out the outposts of sin in my heart. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think it's just a strictly New Testament yeah. idea. Um, so yes, we should we should see our battle for sanctification and our desire to look more like Jesus as war against the flesh and the devil. Hmm. Which is what Paul says in yep. Ephesians 6, 10. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, put on the armor of God because yep. all, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but like, right. that's, that's New Testament. That's King James Version. That's not King carnal. James. Watch out. Watch uh, out. But yes, but there's other there's other things too, like fighting uh, injustice in the world and fighting mm-hmm. um, real spiritual enemies as they oppress people other people yeah, demonization or anything like that because that makes sense a little more sense to me in this context because there's a sense like there's internal enemy the fact that these le- these deputized leaders didn't have the holy spirit right and they couldn't be the faithful leaders that god wanted uh-huh. to be but there was another sense that they they were going out and outside of them was 
were kingdoms of oppression, kingdoms of lawlessness, right. kingdoms of child sacrifice, kingdoms of cult prostitution that they were going into to dismantle. That's right. And so we too, filled with the Spirit this mm-hmm. time, can go into those same kingdoms in our world with the hope of victory, unlike any character in the Old Testament except maybe Joshua mm-hmm. had. Yep. Absolutely right. And the only reason is because the decisive mm-hmm. victory has already been won in the cross. Okay. Right? Just like yeah. they're yeah. told to be strong and courageous because of God's past victories, now they can be victorious now. So let's uh, look at some of the like shorter can I say one more Story. thing? You yes, can. I, you I, may. I was like, we, I want to look at this first verse too, but you keep making me think about <laughs> um, the idea that we are deputized leaders mm. in the land to go and take yes. unconquered territory. Mm-hmm. So that is a New Testament idea. So Revelation 5.10, and he has made us unto our God kings and priests, mm. and we shall reign on the earth in the new heavens and the new earth. Right. We also have like um, in Ephesians, uh, he has seated us in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Uh, like Romans five seventeen, we shall reign in life by the one man, Jesus mm. Christ. Um, I'm also thinking about um, like the parable of the minas in Luke 19, where the the pe- the people the the people in the parable are given like one mina or five minas. Oh, or right. 10 or minas. like people might be like the parable of talents. The parable of talents. Right. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. And uh, the reward for stewarding their talents is how well many cities they get. Is how many cities they get. That's right. So think about like project with me. Okay, already not yet, but what happens when the not yet comes? Right. Thy kingdom come. When the kingdom comes, what does our rulership look like? Yes. Of the new heavens and the new earth. Right. Which is was the original call of man. And we'll get there. That's how this land allotments end. Okay. The land allotments end with repeating the Edenic king command that was given to Adam to ha- subdue the land and rule it. And so like you're on the you're sniffing yeah, like, on I'm, the right trail. I'm getting, getting there. You really are. And I'm also while we're using the New Testament to reflect here, I'm also thinking of the 70 disciples that Jesus sent out. Yeah. Right, which was um, representation of the 70 nations. The 70 nations at the Tower of Babel. That's right. And uh, which you can, if you guys are going and looking this up, there's a translation issue in some of your Bibles, which means there might be a discrepancy in the number, but oh, yeah, it's the same. Oh, yeah, 72. Yeah, 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 but it's the same. It's the same. And uh, yeah, and so like they were they were going as, repeating really mm-hmm. the story of Joshua to yeah. go and take over enemy cities yeah. with the good news of Jesus. And like, it wasn't war that time, right? Yeah. It was repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Or... Uh, Revelation 5 and Revelation 7, around the throne of God are people from every tribe, mm-hmm. language, nation, and tongue. Like mm-hmm. the like the not yet, soon every nation will be conquered with the good news of Jesus. Yes. Yeah, um, that's good news. That's good news. Yeah. And I, I'm super interested. Like, what does that mean to like rule cities in the new heaven? Like, to right. be a nation of kings. It's another way to look at the world from a missions standpoint is that there are still pockets of the world, one, who are unreached people groups who have never heard the name Jesus, right? That's unconquered territory that we need to take the good news to. Or two, while we've gone to these other places, there are there are cities that we used to inhabit that used to be strongholds for Mm -hmm. Christianity that are now completely devoid of Christian values, you know, like the progressive West. You know, like you think of Europe. America. America. (laughs) You just think there are these core cities that have some of the most famous churches in the world in them that are just museums now. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, enemies move back in and like it's Mm. unconquered territory Mm. that we need to move evangelistically 
you know? Right. So anyway, there's a lot to reflect on apparently yeah. here. And we haven't even gotten past the first verse of chapter 13. <laughs> so let's move on. Okay, so uh, Joshua starts not by making his own allotments that he has for the tribes, but by repeating the allotments that Moses originally gave before they entered yeah. Canaan. Okay, which is on the other side of the Jordan River, not in the land of Canaan technically. That's right. But the, when he defeated Sihon and Og, uh, those lands were taken over, and several tribes before they went into the land wanted to stay there because it was better for their cattle, right? Uh, yes, yeah, Gad, Reuben, and the half and one half tribe of Manasseh, which is very important. That comes up. Okay, they wanted to stay on the west side of the Jordan. When you say the one half tribe, you just mean half the people in the tribe of Manasseh. That's right. Okay, so half yeah. half of Manasseh, half of Manasseh wanted to stay on the west. Half decided to go in. Okay, and that's it. Okay, cool. that's all you need to know. Um, and so then Joshua starts to break up the land inside. And, and repeats what Moses talked about outside the land. So when it says like east of the Jordan, right? That means outside the land. And you're talking about Reuben, Gad, and the half tribe of Manasseh. I hope I'm getting that right. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're, uh, and then inside the land, you're talking about everybody else. Okay. Uh, including the other half of Manasseh. Yes. And their brother Ephraim. So let me ask you a question before we move okay. on here too. So Caleb gets mentioned here. Yes. So Caleb's the only other man from the previous generation in the wilderness that comes in yes and he makes a special request he does of his land yes. and he's granted it mm-hmm. and he gets the land where the anakim were yes the the, spe- the 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 unique spiritual enemies of the people of god that's right the descendants of the nephilim yeah the descendants of the, so i was like was well, it is it significant that he is one of the only faithful tribes of israel and these are the the darkest spiritual enemies in the land that's like, a, yes okay. absolutely right and he's old yeah like he's old uh, and he uses his sons to fight. Mm-hmm. But we, we are told that God is honoring the past faith of Caleb. If you remember, this is the story way back in numbers when Israel first came to Canaan and Joshua, Caleb and 10 other spies go into the land and they see the Anakim. Mm-hmm. They see the giants. The, mm-hmm. They see the spiritual descendants of the Nephilim and they're yeah. terrified. Yeah. They run out and the 10, besides Joshua and Caleb, spread gossip about how they'll never be able to take over the land. But Joshua and Caleb want to be faithful and trust God and we take the land. It. And yeah. so Joshua is elevated to this position that we've seen him inhabit the whole book. But what about Caleb? Right. This is Caleb's moment. Got it. So Caleb, God is honoring Caleb's past faithfulness by... I can't really say ironically, more like appropriately letting him finally do battle with the Anakim that he was not afraid of in the first in the first place. I love this verse. He's an old man, right? Yes. Verse 11. I am still as strong today as uh-huh. I was in the day that Moses sent me. That's my right. strength now is as my strength was then for right. war and for going and for coming. Yes. And whenever you read, just just this is helpful to know. When you read going out and coming in for going and for coming, that means I'm still able to go to war. Okay. It's just helpful to know because yeah. it's a it's a it's in your Hebrew Bible a lot. Yeah, I've seen it a lot. Okay. Uh so yeah, this is just God being showing his past faithfulness mm. uh to Caleb. And it's also showing that like it's the first story. This is really important. It's the first story of land allotments realized. Right? So it, it uh-huh. it's first given to Caleb mm-hmm. because he was the only other faithful spy. And he's old and he's given the hardest territory to conquer, and it works. Mm-hmm. So he's supposed to set up the paradigm, right? Mm-hmm. He is the paradigm of faithfulness, the paragon of faithfulness. Yeah. He uh, goes to the hardest territory, trusts God, and takes the land. 
And whenever he feels like he needs a little extra land, what does he do? Does he go and whine about it to Joshua? No, he goes and conquers more enemy territory. Hmm. And that's how the land grows. Hmm. So that is that's we're going to butt up against that over and over again in the land allotment stories. And just, I, I forgot about this, but his name, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said right. to him. So he's actually, he has a, he's an ancestor, not He's a he's a he's not just Hebrew. He's Hebrew and Canaanite. Can, right. The Canaanites were a Canaanite tribe. Yes. But now he's part of the land of Israel, taking land for God's kingdom. Right. That right. probably happened way back in Egypt, whenever yeah. Egypt was conscripting slaves from multiple nations, and when God started acting in Israel or in Egypt mm-hmm. with the plagues and Exodus, it wasn't just Israel He redeemed, but we're also told there was a mixed multitude so, that God was redeeming oppressed people groups of all stripes which, under the fist of Pharaoh. Which goes back to Abraham's palm. Exactly. That he would bless the whole world through uh, Israel. That's exactly right. Not only by like. Uh, native foreigners, yes. like, but also by the fact that God's kingdom in the world would be better for the people in that land than the rule of the Canaanites would have been. That's right. Okay. That's absolutely right. And so, yeah, Joshua, or it's not Joshua, but Caleb sets up like a really interesting paradigm for us that um, everyone else should follow. Uh, yeah, and it repeated, <laughs> and the land had rest from war mm-hmm. at the very end of his land allotment. Okay. Yes. Uh, and then the next... Uh, group that's highlighted. You have Caleb first Mm -hmm. as an individual representation, but then the most space that is given in the land allotments is given to the tribe of Judah. And it's also the first tribe that's given its allotment. And it's the tribe that the Messiah will come from. That's right. It's the promised. It's the promised it's the tribe. Promise, yeah. And so this is continuing a theme of overemphasizing the tribe of Judah throughout the Torah. Okay. So you have it really first prominently in Jacob blessing his 12 sons at the end of Genesis. Mm-hmm. And Jacob, otherwise known as Israel, he spends an inordinate amount of time blessing his son Judah. Oh, so it's like a repetition. And so the inordinate amount of time is given to the land allotment, honoring Jacob's blessing, but ultimately honoring what will come out of this tribe. Okay. Uh, This was also repeated in Numbers, at the beginning of Numbers, when the tribes are arranged around the tabernacle, Judah, even though he's not the firstborn, wasn't the strongest, wasn't the most populated, Judah's tribe was given the place of prominence um, at the mouth of the tabernacle. And they would also be the first ones to march out. And so they're, they're constantly the Bible is showing us that Judah's tribe has prominence. Okay. And exactly because this is the chosen one. the chosen tribe from is, which Jesus will come. I also think it's interesting that you have Caleb who's elevated because of his faithfulness and his obedience. Mm-hmm. And then you have Judah who's elevated not because of their faithfulness or obedience, but because of their chosenness. Right. So you have both of those themes like elevated side by side at the beginning. Anyway. Yeah, faithfulness and chosenness. Those go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's that's happening there. And Can, can yep. I ask a question mm-hmm. here? So in chapter 19, the, when the tribe of Simeon is given its land, oh, okay. it's given land inside of the land of Judah. Yes. There's a little circle. If you look at a map, there's a little <laughs> circle inside of Judah's land that Simeon's given. So it's not that Ju- like Simeon and Judah Co. ruled the land, but there's like a little like uh, landlocked section mm-hmm. that Simeon owns that is swallowed by Judah. Yeah, it's like here in Oklahoma City. Like you could drive through Oklahoma City, and then all of a sudden you're in a small little island of principality called the Village, and then you're in uh, Nichols Hills, and then like you're in Bethany. Native American like territories. That's right. That's probably a better like, analogy. Yeah, that's a little yeah. little stronger of a divide. 
Yeah. Uh, so like, yes, it's that. Okay. It's not that Judah is cohabitating. It's or the, I think about Botswana. Oh yes, like Botswana is this like tiny little coin of a, <laughs> yeah. of a land in the middle. Is it is it Sierra Leone down there? No. What's Botswana? I'm really anyway. I'm I'm awesome at African no, it's, geography. No, it's, it's it's in the middle of South Africa. Okay. Botswana is in the middle of South Africa. Am I right? I, I, so, somebody will correct me. Someone will one of, correct you. One of my you. South Af- our South African listeners will correct. They're me. just <laughs> shaking their head right now. We actually have several in I'm South Africa. I'm pretty sure Sierra Leone's farther north. They're gonna, they're uh, so mad at us right now. Uh, anyway, anyway, okay. <laughs> so uh, so you have the story of Judah and and then and everything's kind of going well. And then you get the story of Ephraim and Manasseh. And so... Um, oh, no, it's not Botswana. Oh, okay. It's a Lesotho. Lesotho uh-huh. is, is the little coin in oh. the middle of South Africa. Botswana, it's a, it's, this whole, it's a whole different thing. It's surrounded by Namibia, Angola, Zambia, Zimbabwe, and South Africa. Oh. But not the same. Yes. If you're looking for a great, easily applicable universe to live in... Simeon was like Lesotho to <laughs> Judah's South Africa. Everyone was dying for that illustration. <laughs> Everybody was dying for it. And I just gave it to them. Man, they are just thanking you. You're so for welcome. That. <laughs> uh, okay. Now we get the story of Ephraim and Manasseh. And this is where things start to get a little more hairy. Now there's some hairy stuff in Judah, but I'm not going to pick that apart right now. Um, Man- the emphasis there is their obedience. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, and so uh, Manasseh is the half-tribe of Manasseh that's coming into the Jordan, west of the Jordan, mm-hmm. uh, into the land of Canaan, is given their territory. But they bring a complaint to Joshua, and they say, well, th- this land's not big enough for us. And Joshua replies, yes, it is. You just have to take it all over. <laughs> like, the reason why it's not big enough is because there's enemies to be conquered, and you take their land after you drive them out. And they say, yeah, but they have chariots of iron, and there's no way we can we can conquer Which- them. He's like... Just have faith, right, yes, which has can. already happened. Which interesting, like there's the chariot theme in the last battle. That's right. We talked about it. interesting. Okay. Yeah, and so they refuse to have their, like to have faith in God, and we're told that later on they have they fail to capture that part of the land. And this is something to emphasize here: is that as you read through the land allotments, you are going to hear this constant refrain over and over and over again, and like, and they took this. And they took this land and they took this piece of land, but they did not utterly drive out blank, 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 or they did not completely take the land of blank. Where are you seeing that here? I'm sorry. I'm looking oh, I'm, I'm not sorry. even looking at my Bible, honestly, oh. uh, but it's going to be you're so gonna, it's coming you're gonna see up this, soon. So like you you're have... gonna see this multiple times with multiple different tribes, not just with Manasseh. It oh, starts here it is. Uh, chapter 17, verses 13. Now, when the people of Israel grew strong, they put the Canaanites to forced labor, but did not utterly drive them out. That's right. Um, yep. Now, let me ask you a question about that. I have a question there. So forced labor, mm-hmm. the Gibeonites are under forced labor, right? Yes, but that was through a covenant, right? Um, well, well, I guess I have two questions. Okay. So the Gibeonites were put, is forced labor the same thing the Gibeonites are doing? No. Or is this a version of like slavery? This, that is, ta- this is slavery that we're okay. talking about here. Because the Gibeonites are saying, hey, we'll be your water, we'll like, we'll work, uh-huh. th- we'll be your laborers. We'll right. Like, you'll, we'll be your, we'll do the your, grunt work. We'll be your lower, your lower class. Yeah, but that was a covenant. Workers. They came and yeah, offered okay. to do that. They weren't uh, uh, unwillingly conscripted to that role in, in hmm. society. Um, but that's not the only, so like there's an argument that could be made that's like, it's the same thing. Drive them out, enslave them, whatever. But there's going to be other times that we're told that the, that they just failed to dr- drive them out. At Not, the very least, drive out means they shouldn't be in the land anymore. Exactly. And so the fact that they're in the land, even though they're slaves, doesn't fulfill the spirit or the letter of the law. That's right. Yeah. Exactly right. Because even as forced laborers, 
they're still going to worship their Canaanite gods, and that is the fear uh, that yeah. that the, that the people should have is that they're going to continue to worship these these wrong gods. Uh, anyway, and so that is what's going to happen again and again and again throughout this okay. section is that they fail to utterly drive out the people, um, and this is like something I just I think is a really beautiful like biblical worldview to live in mm-hmm. for a second is to think about the ways that Israel, um, the law, our own efforts, uh, any kind of social agenda always leaves pockets of unaccomplished, unaccomplished mission. <laughs> like mm. there's always something left undone when it's our efforts. Um, yeah. Israel leaves parts of the land unconquered. The law uh, no one can perfectly keep all of it. There's one section that's broken, therefore all of it's null and void. Um, you know, we can think about things. It's like, man, I did my I, I did my workout plan every day except one day this week, and mm-hmm. that just makes me feel completely defeated. So I stop it on week two. Right. You know, like yeah, there's yeah. always these pockets of unconquered territory, and I just love that the story of Jesus, like he he leaves no territory unconquered. Mm-hmm. There's no pocket of sin or death or uh, evil that he will not ultimately route out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just, I love yeah. that promise of God. He's the, he's the better tribe of Manasseh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right. Um, um, yeah, and that's because he's also the newer and better Caleb who does go and take on the enemies no one else will. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's the new he's the new and better Judah who faithfully- He's from the tribe of Judah. Yeah, who, yeah. he's from the tribe of Judah who not only takes over a huge part of land that he was given showing his faithfulness, mm-hmm. but also takes over the entire territory of the world whenever he comes. It, it makes me think too, just like how central, like a version of trust is in the Christian life. Yeah. That I just don't know if I, I, I meditate on. It's like the victory in battle was tied to their trust in the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't know what a trusting battle plan looks like. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know the ratio of trust to strategy, strategy or like the number of, chariots i need <laughs> and the number of hours of prayer i need like, do, like yeah, well, yeah, like, yeah, i don't yeah. know quite how to like parse that out yeah but what i think is so but what, what i'm messing with there or trying to figure out is like how do i like assume or think through my faith in jesus my my trust my confidence in jesus as i go into these unconquered territories whether that's like my job or like my friend that I want to see saved or like the social injustice cause that I'm right. trying to like, how do I think about, is it, I mean, I guess on a, on a really basic level, it's like, well, if you know that some measure of your strategy and God's action are required, hmm. you should at least pray. Yes. <laughs> you know, is, yeah. that, is that, I mean, is that like a really simple takeaway? That is, that is definitely a simple takeaway. <laughs> that is absolutely true. We should at least be praying. Um, I think that's two things that you made me think of. One is Seth and I behind the scenes behind or the off scenes. the air. We talk about we how- We have lives off the air? We do, actually. I, people don't know this. People don't. I we, didn't know this. Seth and I like to cook together. It's true. Anyway, um, so uh, one of our favorite ways to talk about faith is to talk about it as trust. Mm-hmm. It's our favorite synonym for the word faith. Yeah. Our other is probably allegiance, but mm-hmm. that's so, totally different yeah, yeah. bent. But the idea of trust is set our watches by. <laughs> yeah, we set our watches by. Yeah, <laughs> we have too many. We have too <laughs> many synonyms for faith. Uh, but our favorite is trust. And um, yeah, and, and so as I've been thinking about, I, I've I've been going through this like 
real personal renewal with prayer right now in my own life. And I had to really wrestle through um, petitioning God for things, like asking God for things. Um, like, so you felt bad. I felt asking. bad, like because my I feel like a lot of my youth group time and even some of the books I read in my seminary days were like, "Hey, God's not a vending machine. Don't just push A one and think He'll give you a Coke." And I'm like, okay, yeah. "Yeah, that's true." But also, like, he delights us for us to cast our burdens on him, mm. and like anything we ask in his name will happen. You know, like, yeah. he loves to hear our requests. Why? Because they show that we are leaning on him, that we are trusting in him, that we need a crutch. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. he loves to be trusted on. Like, you know, he yeah, loves yeah, to be yeah. leaned upon. And so, like, what, now whenever I pray that God would help me with something here at Spoken Gospel or with my family or whatever. A decision we have to make. A decision yeah. we have to make. A, you know, like we're praying about someone who we're hoping will offer some funding for a, a nonprofit. Yeah. It's like when I take that to God, it's it's like it's just an act of trust, an act of faith saying like, God, I can make the call and send the email and build the report, but I need you to do something. Hmm. And like God delights in that yeah. trust. I'm also thinking about how frequent the command to not be afraid mm-hmm. and to be strong and courageous is in here and how many of our decisions are made based out of fear. Yes. Or uh, anxiety or mm-hmm. a fear of losing something or a fear of the future or wondering what's going to happen next time. And like how like if you were to if you were to catalog all the decisions you made for the people in your life, the organization that you work for, the people that you're responsible for, how many of those decisions were made out of fear of a future consequence mm. or anxiously protecting yourself from experiencing something negative. Um, and we, I would probably have to say, well, probably a lot of them. Right. And so one another way to think about the land allotment text and the commands of the Lord is like, no, trusting in the Lord, praying to the Lord, taking back the kingdom, like taking land for the kingdom mm-hmm. is doing it unafraid and unanxiously. Right. It's like, no, pray until you make the decision without fearing the future. Yeah, that's good. Like, how do I know when I've prayed enough? When God, like, hurls hailstones from the sky? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe, but probably whenever you can make a decision that's unanxious and unafraid. Hmm. That's helpful. Yeah. I think that's helpful. Anyway, yeah, that's like a huge hop, skip, and a jump from this text, I think. <laughs> but it's appropriate to talk about trusting God to win battles in life. Right. Like, that's what's well, happening that's here. What's ha- that's the failure that we keep exactly. seeing, too. They're yeah. failing to trust God. They're more anxious and nervous about the Canaanites. That's so right. they try to make all these plans. We'll, we'll enslave them instead of going to battle with them. Exactly. Maybe we can make some kind of deal. and It's, it's going to be fine. We can yeah. hedge our bets and we'll be okay. No, we don't need to make a decision out of fear leading to slavery, yeah. we can make one out of like <laughs> trust and faith that God is fighting for us. Leading to freedom and peace. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, a lot of a lot of the ways we should be reflecting on the gospel here, uh, we've kind of already articulated about like trust God, trust what Jesus has done in the past to know what he'll do in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think there's like an interesting uh, thing to meditate on here since we've talked a lot about faith. We've, we've talked about that Jesus mm-hmm. like has won the victory in the past. Mm-hmm. It'll secure one in the future. There's this scarcity mindset that Manasseh and the other tribes have when they okay. bring their complaints to Joshua that they don't have enough land. They're like, the land's not big enough for us. Um, and and his response is, yes, it is. Just go take more of it, you know? Right. And so it's fear, but there's a scarcity mindset. And I love this uh, idea, and I, I'm totally skipping over everything to get to this little beautiful picture that I love. (laughs) But I love the idea that 
when Jesus returns and claims the whole earth as his own, um, there will be no scarcity of land mm. because it will all be conquered. You know, like there will we, we will not look at the plot that, of land that we're given and be like, oh, it's not big enough for me, you know, or um, yeah. I'm scared of what's on the other side of that fence. Right. I just bought another house. Like, man, I'd love a little bit more space for my garden. Like, uh-huh. I won't ever think that. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. And it's just like, I don't know if that's a self-serving thought or yeah. whatever, but God clearly desires peace for his people. Well, I mean, th- how you know, much like, conflict is driven by the acquisition? Oh, totally. Of land, like all of it. Yeah, all, like, uh, all of it. The the control of a water supply. Yeah. War, like like. Yep. The fact that there will always be enough land. Yeah, there, there will always be enough. That the land itself will be enough, and that there will always be enough land means most of the reason for war is gone. <laughs> yeah, which is just makes me happy. Yeah, which is like good news. That's just good news to me that God, when, like in the kingdom of Jesus, when he returns, there is no scarcity. Mm-hmm. Like his allotments are perfect and they're given to us completed. You know, like I just love that. Yeah. And I think it sets up our next category really, really well. Our last section. Our final category. Okay. So in 18 to 19, we get this really kind of funny statement in classic Joshua style. Um, he's going to spend three chapters talking about one tribe, you know, and then two chapters talking about the other seven, you know? (laughs) Yes, I noticed that too. So 18 verse two, chapter 18 verse two, there remained among the people of Israel seven tribes whose inheritance had not yet been apportioned. And they're going to be given their their allotments in two chapters. And like a lot of, uh, I'm looking at the, the tribe of Issachar is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven verses. You know, it's just really quick. But here is what's happening in this section that should blow your mind. Okay. Is there's a reason why it's built this way. Built as five and seven? Uh, Yes. Okay. There's a reason. And that reason is not because Issachar didn't have any cool stories. Okay. You know? Yeah. It's because God wants us to see that there are these seven tribes remaining that will take over the land as a picture of the seven days of creation. Because we've oh. been harping on this whole thing that yeah, Canaan yeah. is the new Eden and they're bringing new creation. And we've even seen parallels to the story of Genesis played out in different ways throughout the story of Joshua and the conquest. And so here you have, just as you had in creation, you had seven days of creation ending yeah. in rest. Now you have seven tribes allotments, which will end in the rest for all Israel. Hmm. And so it's just like a beautiful literary picture of what God is ultimately up to with the land allotments. And so what this should do, it shouldn't force us to go like, oh, cool number connection, David. Right. That's not the point. Yeah. The point is that the, that God is telling us why any of this matters. Like, why, why do the land allotments matter? Why should this cause you to stop and think and meditate on these, on these six difficult chapters? Well, it's because God wants to recreate Eden among us. Like this is a humongous theme in the Bible that will help you understand it really well yeah. and will give you hope and will bring you peace, will help you feel on mission. Will like it's such a core theme to the Bible that it and and so since right, Joshua right. 18 and 19 is forcing us to think about it. Yeah. I just want us to meditate on that for a second. We that the new Eden is already is and already not, and not yet. And not yet. And yeah, exactly right. And so like here, let's just like in this context Israel and their 12 tribes highlighted in these last seven are meant to bring 
the new Eden with God. And this is really... Bless all the nations of the earth through mm-hmm. the land, their, through their ownership of the land of Canaan. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and this is highlighted here. This is It's not only the number seven that sets this up for us. Also, that was 18 verse 2. Mm-hmm. 18 verse 1 highlights that as well. So check this out. Then the whole congregation of the people of Israel assembled at Shiloh and set up the tent of meeting there. The land lay subdued before them. So there's two things to notice here. One is that the tent of the meeting, uh, tent of meeting is set up the tabernacle. God's presence is in the land. Mm -hmm. This is the hope of Eden, that God would have a place to dwell with us in the land. And then two is this word, the land laid subdued before them, is a repeat of the command given to Adam in chapter one of the Bible. Fill the earth and subdue it. They filled it. They 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 <laughs> subdue the earth, and now they're going to fill it. That's yeah. what the land allotments are. Yeah. This is a fulfillment of the command given to Adam in chapter one of the Bible. Hmm. Is now the land lay subdued before them. Now land allotments go fill them with seven days of creation, and then have peace. Like this is yeah. supposed to. This right here is where Genesis one. Hmm. This could this could be the end of the story almost. Yeah. You know, like it feels yeah, like it could yeah, be yeah. the end of the story. It's not because they failed to bring rest. Right. But it feels like it could be. Yeah. And it makes me think too. I, was like, I don't think about like there being moments of subduing happening that push the, this new Eden project forward. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's really to think about Jesus's battle with death and sin as a subduing moment. It's yes. like death has been subdued. The land of the grave has been the soil <laughs> inside the grave. Been conquered. Yes. Sin itself has been subdued in a powerful way, even though its presence is still mm-hmm. there. Now go and fill the subdued land right. as what Paul calls us new creations mm-hmm. to go and bring Eden as we exist on the earth. Yes. That's exactly right. Hmm. So just like Israel here is kind of redoing Eden, this is also how the Bible wants us to see Jesus. So like hmm. when we're introduced to Jesus in the in the Gospel of John, it starts in Genesis 1. In the beginning yeah, yeah, yeah. was what? Well, God spoke, was the Word. And the Word was God and the Word was with God, right? And then he set up his what? His tabernacle. This is this is Joshua yeah. 18 again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The tabernacle of the Lord is coming, repeating the beginning of yeah. the Bible. So like and then, John 1 is not yeah. only a reflection on Genesis 1, it's also a reflection mm-hmm. on Joshua 18. Yeah. Which and is then really Jesus interesting. Jesus has a new Joshua mm-hmm. who has the same name as him. Both they're both their names were Yeshua. Yes. He goes out and wins decisive victories. Exactly right. He goes and he drives out demons, he heals diseases, and ultimately conquers sin mm-hmm. and death on, on the cross and in his resurrection. Uh and then then, this is my favorite part, uh, there is another part of the Bible that has land allotment text in it. Uh, Bible trivia. Uh, I mean Can you think of it? I Oh, Matthew twenty-eight. Okay, that's that's an, that, that would be like a recommissioning of this Joshua moment. I would I would say that's it's a fair like, that's yeah, a fair connection. It's like going all the earth, going all the earth. Yeah, there are there's land to be taken. Yeah, yeah, but there's actually like land allotment and like a lot of the same language given. It's in the Old Testament. Okay, and it's in the book of Ezekiel. Okay, and Ezekiel has this vision of the new heavens and the new earth, or as he saw it, the new Jerusalem, and all this language gets picked up and amplified in at the end of Revelation. Okay. And so Ezekiel sees this new Jerusalem, and in 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 it he is this is in Ezekiel forty seven if you want to go look at it, and uh, he sees all the all of Israel goes and gets their own land again, and everyone's allotted their portion. But this but there's no enemies, and the city's a fortress with unscalable walls, and they have peace on every side. 
Hmm. But that's not fulfilled in Israel's history. That's this is what Jesus will bring uh, as promised by John's vision at the end of Revelation. Hmm. That Jesus brings the the land allotments that that yeah. that Joshua predicated, that Ezekiel foresaw, that Jesus bought, he ultimately brings at the end of time with his return. He allots the land to us and he will look at his chosen people who have been faithful to him and put their trust in Jesus. He will look at them and say, I have subdued the earth. Go and fill it. And we will fill the new heavens and the new earth with the allotted land that our Savior has won for us. Like, well, that's it's the whole story of the Bible in one theme. (laughs) It's so cool. So it's like what seems like a really dull and difficult portion of scripture is yeah. actually kind of the whole story. That's <laughs> like amazing. land allotment yeah. is the is the salvation. Like yeah. land allotment is the gospel right. that God is winning earth back for himself and giving it to his faithful people. That's the gospel story. Hmm. Like we it's not just personal salvation where we are made okay with God. That's a huge part of it. Yeah. But like God is winning the world, the the dirt Right, the crust, the core, yeah. the stars. Like God is winning a universe for us to live in with Him forever. He's subduing it so that we can fill it. He's mm-hmm. He's He's accomplished in His death and resurrection, and will and will ultimately bring to fulfillment in His second return what He said should happen in Genesis one: mm-hmm. fill the earth and subdue it. It's happening, and like Joshua eighteen proves that God's always been about this project. It's pretty cool. It's so cool. It's pretty cool. <laughs> And that's spoken gospel. <laughs> <laughs> Land allotments. I love it. I that's just really think, amazing. Yeah. So I was mad at you for originally giving me this assignment to study the land allotments. And then you discovered the but gospel. But it's so land beautiful. It's amazing. So uh, thank you guys for listening. How, what was our runtime on this one? This is. It, 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 we're under an hour. Oh, under an hour? If, as long as we don't last too long because we're, we're barely under we're, an hour. <laughs> well, thank you guys for sticking with us. <laughs> and congratulations on making it to the land allotments. It's the best news I've heard all day. You guys are the superstars if you made it this far. Uh, Please review us. Uh, leave us a review on uh, iTunes. We'd love it. It's how other people can learn about the land allotment. It's gospel. True. Let's be fair. If they made it this long, they've already left a review. These are, <laughs> these are the diehards that are that are still here. But if you want other people to learn about the gospel <laughs> and the land allotments, you really got to tell people about it. It's true. Oh, yeah. Thank you guys for listening. And we'll make sure if you yep. have any questions. Oh, yes. Oh, thank yeah, yeah. you. Yeah. If you have any questions, send them to podcast at spokengospel.com about the book of Joshua or anything, and we'll, yeah. we'll try to do a Joshua Q&A. So, all right. Well, we'll see you next week for Cities of Refuge and the land given to the Levites who weren't supposed to have land. What? Cliffhanger. Is it? I don't know. It is for a Bible nerd. (laughs) But there you go. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining us, and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel is a nonprofit that gives all its resources like this podcast away for free because of supporters like you. To help Spoken Gospel in our mission to speak the gospel out of every corner of scripture and view all our free resources, visit SpokenGospel.com.